This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. You're listening to Bookmarked, a young adult book podcast brought to you by bookstacked.com. This is episode 34, and episode 34 is all about the Hunger Games prequel. We've got that coming up, so stay with us. Hello, welcome to Bookmarked. My name is Saul, and today I'm joined by Mary. Hi. And Addie. Hi, guys. So, a small panel for some big news. Uh, we're going to discuss the Hunger Games prequel book, and also it looks like Hunger Games prequel movie. We're going to dive into all of that. We're also going to talk about that new Harry Potter mobile game and a couple of other news items. Uh, but before we do all of that, just wanted to give a shout out to our new Twitter account, which I, I talked about in the last episode. We have a new Twitter account that we're using for the show. It's kind of a new way for us to interact more with our audience. And yeah, it's already gotten a few followers. So yeah, if you want to check that out, you want to interact with us more, uh, kind of know when we have new episodes coming out and stuff, go to Bookmarked YA. Uh, that's on Twitter again. And yeah. We're hoping that'll be a good avenue that we can use to keep in touch. Also, wanted to do a really quick follow-up on our last episode. So if you listened, you'll know that we talked about the controversy around Rainbow Rowell's Eleanor and Park. I thought it was a really good discussion. Uh, we talked about inclusivity and diversity in general. But, okay, so like a day after I released the last episode, I was listening to another podcast called Writing Excuses. And... I expect, suspect that there are probably a lot of our listeners who are already aware of Writing Excuses. It's the podcast run by Brandon Sanderson. It's specifically for writers as opposed to readers, but they discussed this topic. They discussed diversity and inclusivity, and they brought up Eleanor and Park as well. And one of the guest authors on that episode, I believe, I can't remember his name, but I think he has like Korean background. And he actually talked about how that book meant a lot to him when he first read it. And so I just thought it was a great different perspective. And I wanted to throw that out there for anybody who maybe wanted to learn more and hear more about that topic. Um, it's a great podcast. It even has Ro uh, Mary Robinette Kowal, which she won the Nebula Award for Best Novel this past year, which is a pretty big deal. So it's a great podcast. It's season 14, episode 21 called Writing the Other, and I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. So again, if that's something you want to take a look at, uh, it's there. It's a great resource, and I just wanted to give it a shout out. 
Uh, let's dive into our regular segment, What Are You Reading? So this is our usual book recommendation segment where we share the books we're reading or the books we've just read and kind of what we thought about them. So Mary, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so I'm reading the Everneath series by, I think the author is Brody Ashton. Yeah, it's like a Hades and Persephone retelling. And since I've like really gotten into the musical Hades Town, I started reading that and it's pretty good so far. I'm only like 80, 90 pages in, but it's grabbed my attention. <laughs> That's neat. Does it, so it's like a retelling. Is it actually set in like the world of mythology? Or is it more of like a modern retelling? Like um, It's more of a modern thing. It's basically this guy who I assume to be Hades kidnapped this girl and she finds her way back to the um to the real world, but like there's still that pull to um the character of Hades or like his name is Cole in the book. But there's still that like pull to him and that in that sense of the um, world. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. What about you, Addie? What have you been reading? Nothing, because I'm <laughs> just working and trying to make it through the day. And Sorry, really, I'm laughing at your pain. It's just no, I mean, so terrible. It's, it's funny because like it's horrible because you know I don't get to do anything, but it's great because my paychecks are gonna be awesome. So, so your schedule is pretty crazy. Yeah, so I have no time to read right now. Basically, it's basically <laughs> eat, sleep, and go to work. <laughs> I know how that goes. Like, I feel like my schedule's nuts. Um, I've gotten more hours recently, too. And the only way I can get through anything is audiobooks yeah. <laughs> at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally, totally get that. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you'll be able to read sometime soon again <laughs> yeah hopefully i mean I've, I've been meaning to um actually reread the hunger games just had an itch to before even the prequel news came out well it sounds like uh we might be psychic because <laughs> the book i just finished reading is a suzanne collins book which is gregor the overlander mm-hmm. i don't know if y'all have heard about that that's her middle grade novel that came yeah. out years before the hunger games Mm -hmm. and i had never read it before and i it was for cheap on audible i bought it and i really liked it it was the first time i've read a middle grade novel in in years i i kind of lost interest um in all of that but there was just like this really great sense of adventure in this book basically it's about a kid who lives in new york and he and his little sister somehow end up in this world beneath the ground called the underland i think the underland and there it's a world filled with like giant spiders and rats and bats and it's just really interesting and the people are fighting this war against the rats and yeah it was just really well written really well done and i was i think i finished it about a week ago it was last sunday and i was driving home from work and so i had the audio book on in my car and as I was getting home, I finished it, and I thought, man, Suzanne Collins is just a really good writer. Like, when is her next book going to come out? That was what <laughs> I literally was thinking, Matt. And then I was like, 
man, how crazy would it be if it, the next book was just announced tomorrow? If she just announced her new book tomorrow? <laughs> and I was like, although that would kind of suck because I'd probably need, I'd need to wake up super early to write the article for the website. Um, and I'm like, thank goodness it's probably going to be a long ways away and we'll probably have some sort of heads up. Well, I woke up the next morning and I had an app notification that Suzanne Collins had announced the Hunger Games prequel. (laughs) So uh, it sounds like maybe the Bookstack team has some psychic powers because you were thinking you needed to read Suzanne Collins. I had just read Suzanne Collins. So this was on our mind somehow. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that kind of brings us to our main discussion. But really quick before we do that, I... Now that we have voice messages, I feel like one of the cool things we can do is allow the audience to kind of join us in on what are you reading. So, yeah, if you are listening and you want to share your book recommendations with our other listeners, all you need to do is send us a voice message. Uh, There's a link at the bottom of the show notes. You tap or click on that, whether you're on a computer or tablet or phone. Um, Click on that link and a web page will pop up. And you'll be able to record your book recommendation. I think you get about 60 seconds or something like that. Uh, You can record your book recommendation, share with us what book you're reading, who the author is, what it's about, and what you're thinking about it. That link should work on a phone or a tablet or a computer. You shouldn't need to download anything. It's pretty great. So yeah, if you want to kind of be part of this segment and share your book recommendations, that's an option. And yeah, we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. So, now we can jump in (laughs) to the Hunger Games prequel. So, I shared my story. Yeah, I woke up that morning. I think the news had just gotten out maybe within an hour. And, of course, immediately I typed a couple of articles up for Bookstacked. But, so, yeah, I just am curious, what were your initial reactions to the news that Suzanne Collins has written a Hunger Games prequel? I was excited. I was just going to say, I was, like, excited, but I was... I was also shocked too. Like I was just scrolling through my through Facebook and being like, "Oh my god, a Hunger Games like prequel. This is going to be great." Also, this might not be great. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, that that second part, this might not be great. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, that also passed through my mind. Um, but I'm with you. I my initial reaction was just first off, complete shock that I'm psychic, and second, <laughs> shock that she wrote a book. <laughs> And just that it's it's Hunger Games, you know, we're, we're returning to that world. And I thought, I really did think that the book was closed on it. Um, in the past, when the movies finished, she wrote that open letter. Do you remember that? She wrote it to like the cast members and everyone who had been involved with the movies. And I have it up right here and I'm going to read it really quick. Um, she said, having spent the last decade in Panem, it's time to move on to other lands. For me, the Hunger Games trilogy is part of a larger goal to introduce the ideas of just war theory to young audiences. But how much wider and more varied an audience came with the films, and the credit for that goes to all of you who contributed so much to this project. So I think the key phrase there is, uh, it's time to move on to other lands. (laughs) And apparently not. (laughs) She's going back to Panem, and I just find that really interesting. Why do you think... She's returning to the Hunger Games. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's kind of like, if you, because I mean, for example, with Harry Potter, we all know that there's like this infinite amount of like 
information out there that we all would love to know, like with the Marauders, like their era. Or like we're exploring or we're exploring with Newt, you know, 1920s, you know, Wizarding World. There's so much there that we could know or find out about. And I feel like I think anybody who enjoyed the Hunger Games books wants to like deep down, even if they're like, yeah, I'm happy with the, with the way things ended. Like we all want to know like what caused it, like what was the cause for, you know, the dark ages and what was life before that? That's good that you bring that up too, because I just realized we didn't actually discuss what we do know about this so far. (laughs) And we do know that it's taking place 64. Yes. Double checking. Okay, 64 yeah. years before, I believe, the Hunger Games trilogy. I don't know if they specified the first Hunger Games book or just the trilogy. I think it was just the trilogy. Um, and that takes place during the, yeah, quote-unquote dark days. The Hunger Games should already be established at this point. Um, and several years, about 10 or 11 years already mm-hmm. in into play. And so that's basically all we know at this point. And like you were saying, Addie... That's a time period that is mentioned really in passing in the original trilogy and isn't really explored at all. And so, yeah, maybe this gives us an opportunity to kind of see the early days of Panem and how all that happened. And what's interesting to me is that it is focusing on like 10 or 11 years into the Hunger Games and not the revolution, which happens before it, which is the cause for the Hunger Games, which is interesting to me because I just feel like that's almost that seem almost seems like the more natural place to go is discussing the revolution and kind of a bit more exciting and everything but um i guess not for some reason she she chose this specific time period i'm reading a quote from the ap news where um i guess Suzanne Collins said with this book i wanted to explore the state of nature who we are and what we perceive is required for survival the reconstruction period 10 years after the war commonly referred to as the dark days as a country of Panem struggles back to its feet, provides fertile ground for characters to grapple with these questions and thereby define their views of humanity. So maybe that might go into explaining like how the districts were formed or what characteristics were given to each district and how people were chosen to live in each district. If, as we know before the revolution, well, we don't know, but we assume that districts weren't actually a thing before the failed revolution before the dark days was i think they might have been because wasn't district 13 destroyed during that revolution yeah or was that later it's been a long <laughs> time okay let me rephrase that well maybe it wasn't like as like segregated by class as mm. districts are now because we do know that district 13 was um you know, had advanced technology and were maybe on par with like District 1 or District 2, for example. So maybe, you know, there was more equality across the districts before the revolution. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up a good point. One of my questions I've had is uh, because my first, <clears throat> well, uh, I guess this is jumping the gun a little bit. There's this really prominent theory that and it seems like it's probably right on the money here uh that this book is going to center around mags who for those who don't remember is the older woman in catching fire she volunteers in place of annie 
And she, I believe she was the mentor to both Annie and Finnick. And so yes, she's yeah. really close and teaming up with Finnick in the arena in the second book. And she does pass away in that book. Um, I believe she's mute, too. So you really don't even. Yeah. yeah. Or she can only mumble or something like that. Yeah, she only mumbles things. I think the movie presents her as mute. But the book, it talks about her, like, mumbling and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But anyway, she's just very sweet character and you just kind of like when i see her in catching fire i just start crying like one of those little chihuahua dogs that just starts crying you know (laughs) (laughs) like i just feel like so much love toward her you know and so but the theory is that this book is going to be about her and i think she'd be about 15 or 16 at this time it's 64 years before katniss came up came about so if we're assuming that it's talking about the first book I think Mags is about 80 when we're introduced to her. So she would be about anywhere between 15 and 17, I'm assuming. And we know that Mags was the victor of the 11th Hunger Games. So like we said earlier, it sounds like this is going to be about the 10th or the 11th Hunger Games. And if that's the case, then this is her story. Like, yeah. uh, at least if they're going to be focusing on the Hunger Games, unless they're going to be focusing on the people outside the arena, which might be interesting. But it seems, it, it almost seems impossible for it to not be about her, right? And so my first reaction was, because I think she's from District 4, which is one of those wealthier districts. Yeah, the fishing district. Yeah, that's right. She she can make fish hooks and stuff. Um, <laughs> my reaction was, this might be interesting because we'll get to see the career tributes, you know, how they get like special treatment and they get special training mm-hmm. and all that. I'm thinking that it could talk about the careers, but what? But to your point, Addie, maybe the careers and all that stuff isn't even created yet at this point in the Hunger Games. It's still so early in the Hunger Games. Are sponsorships a, a thing that are happening at this point? Yeah, it might be interesting to see the world of a career tribute or see how that world is created if it's not already, if it, ha- it doesn't already exist at the beginning of this prequel. I'm interested to see, like, if it, about the one book prequel because maybe it's because I'm so used to reading like prequels and sequels that are trilogies after like an original trilogy has like come out that a one book prequel is going to be just like really interesting and like see how everything happened before 64 years before Katniss in like one book. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. The fact that, yeah, all this, as far as we know, at least, unless they pull a Fantastic Beast and suddenly it's five movies. Um, Cassandra all... Clare ruined the, I don't want to say ruined, but like all of her spinoffs are trilogies. So like I can only think now of two or three books in a like in a spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> now, it'll be interesting to see if that's, yeah, how much they can fit in a single book, assuming that it is going to still be a single book. Yeah, and Suzanne Collins' books are kind of, they're fairly short. Like, the all three Hunger Games books are roughly the same size. I think about 108, 110,000 words, if I remember correctly, which is like, I mean, that's a lot, but when you're looking at some of these larger blockbuster series, mm-hmm. like An Ember in the Ashes or Red Queen or Children of Blood and Bone, those those are significantly thicker. Maybe not insane amounts thicker but but definitely a lot thicker than the hunger games and so and again with the gregor the overlander series those books are fairly short too so yeah it'll be interesting to see how big this book is and how much you can fit into it i mean i think 
Lion, I think Lionsgate jumped the gun, honestly, saying that they are going to make the film. Because according to this AP um, news break, they want they want to they're communicating with her, but they still have not. They, when asked them if they had reached an agreement for the film rights, they did not respond. Yeah, so that that brings me to this next point, which is it looks likely that there's going to be a movie. For those who hadn't heard, that this announcement came, it all came at once. It was all in the same <laughs> press release from, from the Associated Press. So you have first the book announcement, and Scholastic is all like, "We're so excited!" Because of course they are. Um, <laughs> this this is probably going to be one of the best-selling books of next year, just yeah. even outside of YA. Um, Hunger Games is a household name at this point. And so, but it, they also had Lionsgate. The Associated Press, I think, is the one who broke the story. And they had Lionsgate quoted in this as well. Addie, you just you just read their quote. The fact that they're involved at all tells you everything. And I wanted to point out that, yeah, they haven't officially confirmed that they have the rights. But Nina Jacobson, who is the, she produced the movies of the Hunger Games. When this news broke, she retweeted Scholastic's Twitter, or she retweeted Scholastic's tweet, and she wrote, the cat is out of the bag. Mm -hmm. Um, Lionsgate obviously, clearly has been involved with the writing of this book. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it seems almost 100% sure that it's going to be a movie, but also that they were involved potentially in in the creation in some way, whether or not they gave input or whether or not they just gave encouragement. I don't know, but they had a hand in this for sure. Oh yeah. And I think they kind of had a plan for a prequel, like during maybe the last or second to last movie, because like over, over the past few weeks, I don't know why this stuck in my head just now. Maybe it's a psychic thing. But I remember this interview I saw like a few years back with um, Josh Hutcherson about he let slip that maybe a Hunger Games prequel would happen. And like everything just kind of blew up. So I do think Lionsgate had maybe like a push here. We've had this idea for years. We know you said like you you're not going to write anymore. But, you know, maybe, maybe go ahead. Please reconsider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, you're you're definitely right. Around the time of the last Hunger Games movie, Lionsgate, uh, you could tell they just did not want to let this franchise go. And uh, I mean, Catching Fire, I think, was the highest grossing movie of during the year it came out. I forget which year it came out. 2013, 2014? Uh, I think 2013. 13, I think. Yeah, 13. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that was the highest grossing movie of that year. I mean, it was huge. And they did not want to let the Hunger Games go. I mean, they built a theme park in dubai did they uh, actually go through oh, they did? i'm pretty sure didn't they okay let's double check I, I, and make I, sure I, I remember there'd be a huge controversy about like yeah. nonsense oh i think it's i think it's open Sketchy motion bro- gate i mean so it's it's a like a lion's gate theme park but they've got like hunger games land oh. in it it opened in 2017 it looks like this <laughs> this headline from gizmodo dubai's newly opened the hunger games theme park does not get the irony um yeah there's a capital bullet train coaster oh hall of heroes aerial tour um yeah no there's a hunger games theme park it's in dubai and of all the places right (laughs) like it said it does not get the irony and so 
basically, yeah, Lionsgate does not want to let this franchise go, and they were talking about spinoffs. Um, I, yeah. I think also worth pointing out, they were talking about Divergent spinoffs as well at one point. Oh, no. Um, that, was the last re- that was like a like a last resort Hail Mary move because they royally screwed that up yes well yeah but i think i think even before they decided they weren't moving forward with that franchise though there was discussion about potential spin-offs and like they lionsgate is lionsgate owns summit uh yeah. which is the company that did twilight mm-hmm. lionsgate loves their YA book franchises and they haven't had a prominent one since the hunger games yeah as far as like, i can think of you. this has been part of their plan for a while so yeah, I, a part of me can't help but wonder how much of this is happening because Lionsgate might have been there kind of pushing Suzanne yeah. Collins to do it. Yeah, who knows? I guess my big thing is I, I'm excited. There's no doubt I'm excited. I Suzanne Collins is great. And The Hunger Games, one of my all-time favorite book series. But also, I think Mary said it at the very beginning, a little bit nervous. Like, like let's hope they don't mess this up. Uh, a single book is is fun. If they're planning on expanding it even more than that, I, I just think they really need to be careful and ask themselves, like, why? Is there really something you want to add? I feel like maybe, like, one book, kind of like a history book is what I'm kind of hoping for that explains, you know, like, why the rebellion happened, you know, what caused it and what led up to that. Would it make you feel any better that there are theories that President Snow is going to be in this? <laughs> I mean, there, it wouldn't surprise no. me because he's, he's as old as Creases. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta add this comment that um, Forever Young Adult, which is another YA book website, they added at the end of their article on their coverage of this. They said, OMG, we're totally going to get problematic hot young snow stands, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yes. yes. <laughs> I completely agree <laughs> with that. The book comes out may of next year may 2020 may 19th of next year yep that's correct so yeah we are going to be following this new story for sure on the website and on the podcast that we will probably have an entire episode devoted to this single book after we've all read it i suspect because how can we not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if there's anything you wanted to add our listener our listeners if there's anything you want to add Uh, You know how to get in touch with us. There are links, again, in the show notes at the bottom. You can click those and, yeah, you can get in touch. We'd love to hear what you have to say. If you have thoughts or theories, opinions, definitely share them with us. Uh, We are going to cut to a quick break. We still have Harry Potter Wizards Unite to talk about, the new Pokemon (laughs) Go-esque Harry Potter game. It just came out. Did you you all downloaded it? I did. We'll share our first initial thoughts on that in just a little bit. So stay with us. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Looking for something to listen to after this podcast is over? We always suggest reading a book. And what better way to consume books than with Audible? In the subway or in the car, when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. 
you can always catch up on your TBR list with an audiobook. And for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. Audible selections includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstacked for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. Let's jump back in. Okay, so Harry Potter Wizards Unite. We've talked about this in the past, I think in a past episode. If not this last one, it was like the one... No, I think it was maybe like five podcasts back or something. Was it that far back? You know because what? They announced they announced the release. They announced Wizards Unite a while back. It's and like it's a trigger. Not- and I think what probably happened was with the Eileen Aaron interview that we did, Michael and I actually recorded a new segment to go on at the end. But when I was editing the podcast, it just didn't feel like it belonged there. It felt really weird to go from author interview to news all of a sudden. And so we probably discussed it. Uh, but it never got released to the podcast. So um, that's probably why wow. I feel like we talked about it recently. Uh, but yeah, Harry Potter Wizards Unite, for those who need a recap, this is a game created by Niantic, which is the same company that built Ingress, uh, but probably best known for its massive blockbuster mobile game, Pokemon Go. So when this first came out, I know my initial, when when in the news first came out that they were making this, my worry was that it was just going to be like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, basically, a Pokemon Go clone, but instead of like Pokemon, it was going to be like Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> now that the game is actually here and I've played it, uh, I don't really think it's like that at all. I feel like they added a ton of different features and there's so much stuff happening in it. I don't know, Addy, what, what has been your first impression? Well, that, well, Adela had Wizards Unite and then the Harry Potter, like, well, you're in Hogwarts mystery thing game. That one sucks. Oh, yeah, that. That one is hilarious. I think it's just the funniest thing ever. But, I mean, I feel like the Wizards Unite one kind of does feel not as silly as the Harry Potter app game. Uh, well, I guess what, what shocked me was that Harry and Hermione seem to be pretty prominent characters in this like they're they're kind of sending you messages and stuff throughout the whole thing and it's it's not part this this game isn't canon or anything like that but it seems to be set kind of after hogwarts after harry potter's years at hogwarts they're now working for the ministry um ron is notably absent (laughs) i i've only had um i've only had harry pop up on my thing i haven't had hermione Okay, I, I saw her pop up at least once or, or twice on mine. Um, and they're always referencing her. They're always just like, you know, Hermione discovered this new thing. Because Hermione's the only person who discovers anything in <laughs> <laughs> the wizarding world. But basically, the way it works is there's like different items or fantastical creatures. Or at one point, I think I saw Hagrid like wrapped in ropes or something that are just like spread throughout. Uh, your neighborhood and you're going and you're you're finding them and you're casting these spells and helping return these creatures to where they belong or these characters back to Hogwarts or something like that so it's it's uh interesting my only complaint so far is there's like a long tutorial in the beginning 
uh, you're going through, there's this little character that comes up and she is like walking you through everything. And there's just so much happening in it. Like with Pokemon Go, you're just capturing Pokemon and you're sometimes battling them. That's, that's the majority of Pokemon Go. With Wizards Unite, you're like, there's a lot of stuff happening and there are a lot of different mechanics in it. And so it feels a little bit more bloated to me than the Pokemon Go. I guess basically what I'm trying to say is it, it kind of has something of a steep learning curve in the very beginning. If you're going to download it, I'd recommend like downloading it when you maybe have 20 minutes or a half hour to just devote time to that. It's not like a, a thing where you open for a couple of minutes and then put back away. Because there's this entire like walkthrough that you have to go through that kind of teaches you how to do everything. So, um, otherwise, it seems to be, a lot of people seem to like it. I'm in, like, a Harry Potter fan group on Facebook, and everybody's been posting about it and having fun with it. So, it seems like a pretty cool game, actually. In other news, new Miss Peregrine book announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary wrote up the article on that one on Bookstacked. Uh, what can you tell us about this? Um, we finally have a title. The name is The Conference of the Birds. And Reigns and Riggs announced that it would be coming out January 14th of next year. We still do not have a um, cover yet, but that should come fairly soon, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's exciting. A lot of people, this article actually has been one of the more popular ones on the website in the last few weeks. Just because people are searching for it and people... Are, uh, there must be a lot of people out there who want to know about Book 5 and Miss Peregrine's. And so, uh, obviously still a really popular book. For some reason, I thought that series was over. I, not, not, I've only read the first one. But uh, I apparently, I guess it wasn't. So I was misinformed there. So, like, he just kind of extended it from three books to six, where books four through six um, are Peculiars in America. The main character, Jacob, from books one through three, is still the main character in the in books four through six. He just happens to be, like, back in his hometown and back in America now. More spinoffs. You know how, like, the, the big YA cliche is, like, the love triangle? Yes. Maybe, maybe there's been this shadow cliche in YA that <laughs> nobody's been talking about, yeah. which is just spinoffs and and uh, extending book series and stuff like that. Uh, the other only notable news that we have is the fact that Netflix is moving forward with their Narnia TV series. Woo. Addie wrote the article on this one, so what can you tell us about that? Um, well, I mean, I laughed when I wrote the article. I wrote, it's been 84 years <laughs> <laughs> since we heard any news from Narnia. 15 years, like almost 15 years ago, we got the first Chronicles of Narnia book made into a movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And that was through Disney and Walden Media Studios back in 2005, I want to say. Yes. And then in 2008, they made Prince Caspian, which is the second book in the series. And then The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, that was released in 2010. There was rumors that in 2011, they were going to start with the fourth book, The Silver Chair, I believe. But Netflix announced October of last year that they were coming up with their own adaptations. Not one, but multiple. And they chose Matthew Aldrich. Hopefully I'm saying his his name right. Um, He co-wrote Disney's Coco. And he is 
named as the creative architect. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording, and we're just kind of like, what is a creative architect exactly? <laughs> um, yeah. As, maybe there's somebody who's listening who knows film, um, but as far as I'm aware, I've never heard of that particular phrase used yeah. before. And so, yeah, it kind of just sounds like he's maybe a producer specifically focusing on the creative side. I, I, I kind of picture Kevin Feige, who is... Th- not the showrunner, but like the guy in charge of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of almost picture that yeah. here. And I don't know if that's correct or not, but that's what I see in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i a big fan of the series, so I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it'll be better than the movies. Like, what one I found was really good, two was, uh, three was just a train wreck for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Voyage of the Dawn Shutter. Yeah, that movie that was wasn't good. CGI overload. Overload. <laughs> the first two, I I like the I really enjoyed the first two. Yeah. Same. The third yeah. one was okay. Just so much CGI. That first one especially, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe yeah. was oh. a beautiful movie. I'm really interested in seeing how it runs up against His Dark Materials, which will be running at roughly the same time, because uh, His Dark Materials is the anti-Narnia. Uh, which we talked about <laughs> we talked about last uh, in the last episode. Yeah, my only worry is that, you know, if it uh, Netflix kind of like ABC Family, now known now known as Freeform, has a tendency to drop its own projects even though it has a big fan base. So hopefully well, this this will not I don't think we need Netflix. to say Shadowhunters. <laughs> I was just thinking <laughs> Shadowhunters finale though like they finished it. Yeah, they yeah. did. Give it an ending. Yeah, they gave it an ending. And Netflix has done that in the past, too, with, like, several, like, fan favorite shows. Mm-hmm. So that might be my only worry about it being with Netflix. Yeah. That It'll, we'll see. Didn't get so much press. I'm oh, sorry. So much, like, viewership numbers that they might axe it. I think it's going to depend on this creative guy, this creative architect. Like, how good is this movie going to be? If it's good, then I think people will watch because there's a lot of good stuff there. Just steal the guy from a series of unfortunate events. Just steal him. <laughs> those I, I'm a huge fan of those books, so I'm I'm excited to see to see where that goes. But I think we're going to end it there. I think we had a great discussion. Uh, Hunger Games prequel, definitely excited about that. Wizards Unite, we'll see uh, how that goes, and of course, uh, Narnia and Miss Peregrines. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. So we will catch all of you next time. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. Again, our handle is bookmarkedya, and if you want to join in and include anything, uh, if you have any thoughts about anything we discussed, uh, please do leave us a voice message or send us an email. Links are in the show notes. Uh, Until next time, see ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.